Don't you love when God answers prayer? I mean, don't you just absolutely love when God answers prayer? It's like, to me, it's like getting saved all over again. When you see his will and your will through prayer connect together and you see that his sovereign will is to heal that person, to give that person a job or whatever the case may be. And you just, man, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing to see God do something like that in our lives. Um, for three years, I had a computer in my office that said, on a post-it note, said Tim Burks. A lot of you know that Tim Burks is a really good friend of mine here at the church, and he is serving the Lord. And, and for three years, his wife, my wife, and myself, we were praying, God, we want you to save that guy. We want you to deliver him from sin, and we want you to save him. And he did. He did. August 12th, August 2012 at Chick-fil-A. It's a beautiful thing. And some of you know our story, Dan and myself, we, we wanted to have kids. We were told we couldn't have kids. Man, at that time, my church was praying, and man, we've got four kids in four and a half years. The oldest turns 14 today. And um, I mean, I, I mean it's, it's unbelievable. So it's, a, it's an awesome, awesome thing when we pray and the sovereign hand of God in our prayers, they unite together and God changes us through our prayers to where we understand what it is that he wants and we see God answer prayer and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, isn't it? But what is it like when he doesn't? What is it like when you pour out your heart and you ask God to do something and there's silence? This didn't happen in the first hour. <laughs> so in, in, in 2016, my family, we decided, hey, we're going to pray for some things, and we're going to ask God to do some supernatural things. We've been praying for this little seven-year-old boy named Emmanuel Detweiler, and we prayed in Jesus' name, would you heal him? And we also prayed for Lee Robinson. I go to a barber shop, don't judge me, and, um, um, and, and Lee was the owner of the barbershop and he got cancer and we prayed for him to be healed. And then we also prayed for this awesome guy named Carrie Bowman and we prayed for him to be healed. And in August, April of 2016, we prayed for this sweet lady named Kathy Qualls, my mother-in-law, and we prayed for her to be healed of cancer. And every single one of them died within the last year. And out of the grief and the hurt, I remember Dana and I coming together in the last month, because you know, her mother just passed away three weeks ago. And in the hurt, we looked at each other, not based on our theology, but in the soreness of the event. We looked at each other and we just said, why pray? Why pray? And the Lord... Um, The Lord moved us, moved me to say, well, what happens if we stop praying? I asked the question, not like, why pray? That's a question. But I asked the question, what if we stop? What happens if we stop praying? What happens? And so what I want to do this morning is I want to sit there and I want to talk to you about the dangers if we stop praying. 
And a lot of you in here right now, you're praying for something. You're praying for someone to get a job. You're praying for to get out of a current job and get a new job. And you're praying maybe for a house to sell or you're praying for someone to be healed or someone to be delivered from a habitual sin. There's a lot of different pray, prayers that you're praying and you're not seeing an answer and maybe you're in the midst of seeing silence and maybe you've asked the question, why pray? And so what I want us to do right now is I want us to enter in a time before we come to the table and remember that he is good. Remember that he is great. That we remember that we are warned about the danger of not praying. So danger number one. Danger number one, we have these on the screen for me, is we become God. Danger number one is we become God. When we stop praying, we become God. We see things that, um, that we see things through the lens of what glorifies us. We are the center, he's not the center. Our desires and wants have to do with pleasing the sinful nature of our lives. You see, prayer is based on a trust that God is who he says that he is and will do what he says he will do. And the attitude of prayer is just by a very definition, it's, it's an attitude of trust. I pray because I trust you. But when we stop praying, we're saying, God, I don't trust you. And I'm taking that trust and I'm assigning it to something else. And most of the time when that takes place, we assign that trust to what we look at in the mirror. And that's dangerous. And that's destructive. And there is great danger when we do that. There's great danger when we do that. Tim Keller said this, that prayer is the native language of faith. Prayer is the native language of faith. And when we have faith, we choose to talk to God and communicate with God. But when we cease praying, when we stop praying, when our lives are prayerless, what we are making a dangerous declaration that we are God. Because when we stop praying to God, we become God. And I want you to know that that's dangerous. There's no one like him. On our best day, you and I struggle all the time with different things that go our way. We don't need, to, we don't need the things of just maybe bigger prayers that go unanswered. It's a daily fight. Tyler, our worship leader, just a minute ago talked about how he was talking to a friend about his own pride. He was being very candid and open about his own pride. We struggle with those things. When we take prayer off out of our life, we are having a free reign for sin to come in and overcome us because we see we start being God and God stops being God when we stop praying. And I think it's, it's a great reminder if we just go ahead and remember a couple of verses, Acts 4.12. I love this verse and pray that you would memorize this verse. Early church is getting started. And I don't have this one on the screen. I do have the next one that I'll read. But this is what it says. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men where which we must be saved. He's God and that's who he does. He's the one who delivers. He's the one who saves. He's the one who redeems. He's the one who heals. He's the one who fixes. He's the one who changes. He is God. And there is no one like him. And this is Ephesians 2, basically gives us a resume of our life if you are a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, then this is your resume. Here it is. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, 
carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Then, then here's the most beautiful news in the world right here, and I want you to say it with me right now. What's the first two words? Say it. But God, here's where he intervened. It doesn't say, but you intervened. It doesn't say where I intervened. It doesn't say where your best friend intervened. It says, but God intervened. Here's what he did. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. Together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised up, us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Here it is. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Here's why we... Here's the danger. The danger is when we stop praying, we become God. But as I read that text, it's a great reminder of what God did, not what I did, nor what you did. I remember when I um, became diabetic, uh, my, my mother went out and wanted to buy all this sugar-free stuff because she was, felt bad that I couldn't eat my favorite M&Ms. They're incredible. My preference now at the time, they didn't have them, just... Let me say this, our peanut butter M&Ms. Ooh, man, those are good. So, but at the time we, we didn't, we didn't, it was, my mom wanted to go out and there was this company called ST and they made all this sugar-free stuff for diabetics. And let me just tell you, they were terrible. Okay, they were awful. They were a cheap substitute for my beloved M&Ms. Here's what I want you to know this right now. When we enter into a life of prayerlessness, we become satisfied with a cheap substitute of the God of the universe. And that is incredibly dangerous. Don't let your life and don't let my life, when you pray for something that doesn't happen, don't let your life be marked by prayerlessness or what danger will happen in your life is when you stop praying to God, you will become God. And let that not be said about you or, or me. Let our prayer life be a demonstration of our trust in his power, not a competition for his power. Let your prayer life be a demonstration of his power, not a competition for his power. He is God and he is good. Danger number two. We lose fellowship with God. We lose fellowship with God. Interesting happened the other day. I, I, Dana loves for me to make like a menu and I'm not very good at it at all. And so I decided I want lasagna and I told her I, I want lasagna for dinner. And she was like, okay, great. I, I was actually nice. I didn't have any sin in my life. And I just said, I would like to have lasagna for dinner. And I came home and I was like, I don't smell like lasagna. It was pot roast with carrots and potatoes and salad. And I was like, what's the deal? She said, well, I know you wanted lasagna, but I thought this was best, so I did roast. And I was like, just to be quite honest with you, I haven't talked to her in like five days because I'm really mad. <laughs> okay, you, you get, that's a joke, guys. That's a joke. Hi, Dana. Now we've talked, okay? <laughs> Do you understand how silly that is? I'm not trying to compare lasagna versus pot roast versus heal somebody of cancer or not. 
But what I'm talking to you about and what I want to communicate to you is that there is a great danger and a loss of fellowship with the great I am who desires to have a relationship with you, an ongoing, dynamic, passionate relationship with you, a personal relationship with you. And it is ridiculous for us not to come to him and pray to him when we don't get or things don't turn out like we want. He says, keep asking and keep knocking and keep seeking. And I'm gonna, I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be very, very frank with you right now. I have been, we have been, you have been in this stage of grief where it's, it's sad and it's, and then you just get mad. Part of it, you just get angry. But the danger is, is to take that anger and stay there or that uncertainty and stay there and move away from praying to the one who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the danger we have is that we will lose fellowship with the one who created us and gave us life. And there is great danger in that. There's great worship in telling God where you are. It has been probably over the last three weeks just an opportunity to be able to pray and tell God, I don't understand. And I recognize that I probably won't understand some things. But I do understand this, that you are God and there is no one like you. Don't let your unanswered prayers drive you to prayerlessness because you will become God and you will lose fellowship with the one who created you and the one who will define for you life. This is what it says in Tim Keller in his book on prayer. He said, prayer is both conversation and encounter with God. We must know the all of praising his glory, the intimacy of finding his grace, and the struggle of asking his help, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of his presence. The tool that God has given you and I to have ongoing fellowship and deep fellowship with him is the tool called prayer. Colossians 4.12 Excuse me, Colossians 4, 2 says this. Continue steadfastly in prayers, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Paul is in prison and he's writing this message and he's really at the end of the book of Colossians and he's really trying to tell them, hey, here's what I want your life to be like. Here's what I want your life to be characterized like. There's a lot of things that can be alike, but here's what I want it to be like. I, I want you to continue steadfastly in prayers. He's saying that the prayer is the strength of the believer's fellowship with the Lord and the power against the enemy. He also goes, the word steadfastly is defined as to be courageously persistent, to hold fast and not let go. The courageous devotion to prayer does not mean that we come away unscathed. It means that it's quite possible we will get hurt. But I will say this, I would rather be limping around and in great fellowship with the Lord rather than running after my own sinful desires. I would rather be limping around after spending time with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and in great fellowship and harmony with him than be running after my unrestrained sinful desires. There is great danger when we stop praying because of a loss of fellowship with King Jesus and the God of creation. So pray. Danger number three. Danger number three. We become apathetic regarding the mission of God. We become apathetic regarding the mission of God. 
And the way the, the Lord put these together for me is you, you have one where you become God, you lose fellowship with God, and then what happened is you forget why God has you here. You simply don't understand why in the world am I here? When do we stop praying? And so when we stop praying, we fail to remember that the purpose that he has for us, to live on mission with him, to herald the greatest message in all of the world. A prayer is a vehicle that helps us remind us that there are neighbors all around us and work work friends all around us that don't know him, that have no idea who he is, and that we have that knowledge. And when we don't pray to him and we're out of fellowship with him, then what happens is we forget and we become apathetic to the mission by which we're here to accomplish. And it's beautiful and it's big and it's fun. It is fun. Let me just, I wasn't playing This week, Tim and I got to sit down and eat lunch together. And that conversation is a lot different than three years ago. What is God doing in your life? How are you leading your boys? How are you you leading your family? Those questions right now are so rich. And and Thursday Thursday afternoon was a great reminder of that. To keep praying and not lose sight of this beautiful mission that you and I have been sent out to be a part of. Colossians 4, 3, the next verse after 2, the one we just read. He said, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Here he is. He's praying. Open up a door. So Paul's in prison. He's not out of prison. He's there. He's writing a letter. He's writing a letter for people and he's asking to be able to speak clearly the message of the gospel. In the midst of all the things that he could be praying for, number one, he's still praying. Number two, he's praying about the mission of this great God we serve. This is what um, John Piper said about prayer. He said this, prayer is for the accomplishment of, of a wartime mission. It is as though the field commander, Jesus, called in the troops, gave them a crucial mission, go and bear fruit. Handed each of them a personal transmitter coded to the frequency of the general's headquarters and said, comrades, the general has a mission for you. He aims to see it accomplished. And to that end, he has authorized me to give each of you personal access to him through these transmitters. If you stay true to his mission, and seek his victory first, he will always be as close as your transmitter. To give tactical advice and to send in air cover when you or your comrades need it. He goes on to say this in another quote, says, we have so domesticated prayer that it is no longer in many of our lives and churches what it was created to be. A wartime walkie-talkie for the accomplishment of mission commands. We must never forget the danger of our role and our participation in this great mission. And if we cease to pray like we can and should, then we'll be apathetic to the mission of God. We will become God. We'll lose fellowship with him. But a life of prayer that allows us, but a life of prayer allows us to be excited about helping others follow Jesus. It allows us to help others discover the great truths of the gospel. It allows others to wrestle with, well, well you're praying for this, but it's not answered. How, how, what do we do? We keep praying. 
What do we do? We pray some more. Thessalonians says, pray without seeking. Pray, pray without ceasing. And that's not like, hey, we're in prayer all the time. What it is, it's, it's a God consciousness all the time. It's awareness of who God is at every moment of the day. How, does he, how we see things, we see things through the lens of his sovereignty and his will. And prayer allows us and changes us to align us with his sovereign will and plan for life. So what do we do? We're going to come to the table. We're going to be able to take bread and we're going to eat bread and we're going to take some juice here in um, just a couple minutes. I think it's really important that if we're going to talk about prayer, I think it's important that collectively I want to lead us in prayer. I really don't just want to talk about it. I want, to, I want us to really just pray together. And I'm going to lead you in that time of prayer. I'm going to pray for like three, three or so things. And then the last thing, I am just going to um, allow you to pray right where you are before you specifically are going to take of the elements as they're passed out. And I want you to pray in terms of regarding your personal walk with the Lord. But my prayer time right up here is to collectively and corporately engage the God of creation who saw that we were dead and made us alive. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Let's not get over that. Let's not let unanswered prayer rob us, rob us of the place that is only his. Before I, I pray, I want you to know that we have open communion here at Northwest, meaning if you have a relationship with King Jesus and you have repented of your sins and placed your faith in him, then we invite you, whether you're a guest or not a member of the church, we, we, we invite you to take of the elements as they're passed. But if you've not crossed that line of faith yet, we would ask you just to let the tray go by. And, and maybe your relationship with the Lord is a little cloudy right now, we want to give you a chance to pray and get that cleaned up. We want you to come to the table in a worthy manner. The Bible warns us there's danger coming to the table in a worthy manner. And so I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give you a chance to pray. And I'm asking for you to just ask the Lord to get your heart ready. My prayer simply this morning, in a very practical way, was to allow us not to forget the beauty and the privilege of praying. And doing so, looking at the dangers. If we stop praying, we become God. If we stop praying, we lose fellowship with God. And if we stop praying, we become apathetic to the very reason we're still here. So let's, let's pray together. God, I am fully aware there are many people in this place right now that have prayed for things and then not seen it happen. Lord, I pray right now that for our lives here collectively as a church, we'll not have any substitutes for you. There is a place in our hearts, there is a place here at our church that is for you, it is because of you, and you are the center. And help us, Lord, not to substitute anything that is not of you. 
Lord, we do pray for the ones that are looking for jobs and don't have one. I've been praying a long time. And we lift them up to you, Lord, and we pray your sovereign will that, God, it would be in your will that they would find a job soon and quick to provide for them. We pray for kids to come back to you who have walked away from you. We pray for kids that don't know you to come to know you and that they would get saved. And we pray for spouses. We pray for especially for spouses that who are not yet believers that they would come to know you and pray for marriages that God, in Jesus' name, that you would restore them, that you would speak to them and move their hearts to where they would be captivated by your grace, they would be overcome by your grace, and they would say yes to you. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that we would not let any idol come in and take your place. That place in our heart is reserved for you. That place in our church is reserved for you. Anything else is a complete cheap substitute and will always disappoint. I pray, Jesus, for our fellowship with you, individually and corporately. I pray, God, that the, that our, the richness of our lives, our richness of our, our relationship would be meaningful, that it would be real, that, God, that our relationships with each other and our relationship with, with you would be defined by bearing much fruit. We know that apart from you, we can do nothing. We know apart from you, we cannot bear fruit. So God, I pray that we would be set aside and we would be so fixed and that we would be so clear that Lord, we wanna have fruitful lives. We wanna have lives that demonstrate the gospel. We wanna have lives that have rich and meaningful fellowship with you. And I pray that that would take place this morning and that God, you would give us grace in doing that. And Lord Jesus, I come to you and I pray for our witness. I pray for our witness as a church. I pray for us that we would be on whatever corner you place us on here at, here at Panther Creek and then on our future land, whenever you see fit to bring us there. That God, right here and right now, we would make much of you in our jobs, in our, in our areas of influence. That we would not stop praying for open opportunities and clarity among the gospel to speak clearly you above all things. And God, finally I pray that you would help us all to realize the danger of not praying. God, we make lousy gods. God, we desire fellowship with you and we desire to be a witness for you. We hunger for you and we thank you for this table that is a beautiful reminder that you came to us.